This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. We should have on Tishabov. They tell me the following. So the Rashama that we should have that Akarish Baruchu and the Shina no longer have their home. But that's not the point. The point is that Akarish Baruchu and the Shina, our father, they don't walk out of his home. In fact, if you learn the Medrash, Medrash Eicha, says it's very, very sad. I don't have time to go through that piece of the Medrash. But that Akarish Baruchu made ten stops in the actual base Hamidash, and he kissed the walls, and he went, and he, and he was about to leave, and he went back to the Kruvim, and he didn't want to leave. But Misa, we, Chayisrael, threw him out of his house. And Yemiyahu came, and Yemiyahu warned us, and Yemiyahu warned us, and we were not interested in what he had to say. We took our own father who gave us everything, who brought us into Israel, who took us out of Israel, who gave us his most precious thing in the world, which was the Torah. And we, Klai Yisrael, threw him out. So what does that have to do with us? We didn't throw him out. 2,000 years ago, they threw him out. So what does it have to do with us that we're sitting on, on Tisha B'Av and we're crying and we're thinking back at what happened to the Khurban? At the end of the day, it's true we're missing something, but we didn't throw them out. Christ wrote 2,000 years ago threw them out. No, we're even worse than they are. We're much worse than they are. Why? So if Shimshon Pinkus says that really, after the Khurban, Really, Hakarish Baruch Hu got closer to us. How did Hakarish Baruch Hu get closer to us? Well, also the Migdash the Shachanti B'Tzaychan. It used to be in the times of the Beis Hamikdash that you had to be a kind gadol to go into the Kaddish Kedushin. You had to be a kind to go into the Kaddish. Klal Yisrael had to stay outside. At the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave each one of us a chance to build in our houses and in ourselves for us to leave Mikdash for Shachanti B'Saycham. So Rosh Hashem Pekas Al-Sham said that really today every single person in Klai Yisrael is a client. Because today HaKadosh Baruch Hu is willing to dwell within your house and he goes through the Shulchan and the Shulchan and the Shabbos candles is the Menorah, and a person's bedroom is the Kodesh Kedoshim. And what happens? 2,000 years later, the Shechina, Kodesh Baruch Hu, comes to our houses and says, the Tata wants to come home? You threw me out 2,000 years ago. And every single year for 2,000 years, I'm trying to get back home. And we know one of the most terrible, the rabbi spoke about it this morning, he speaks about it every year, one of the probably one of the most terrible, besides the Tsaruya Malchus, one of the most terrible kinis is when Titus walked into the Kodesh, Kedashim, he took his sword and he cut the Parechas and the Parechas was bleeding. 
And he went into the Kaddish Kedashim with a Zainah. And he did what he did in the Kaddish Kedashim with a Zainah. And Kleisrael, who was outside, was saying, the Kaim Gadol, if he made a mistake in the Kaddish Kedashim, on Yom Kippur, he died. Eish Zara, not the Navi who brought and was killed immediately. Surely, this Titus, this Russia, who's coming into the Kaidish Kedashim with a Zaina, surely the two of them would die. But they didn't. Because the Shechina, the Shechina was already gone. And Kajbarth wanted Titus to believe that he was able to kill God. Today, the Shekhinah comes to our houses. And it wants to come home. But there's a Tintus and a Zayna in the house. In the Kaidish Kedashim, in the bedrooms of our homes. There's internet, and there's DVDs, and there's movies, and there's television. And we're bringing Isha and Akriya, we're bringing strangers into our own house. And the Shkina comes to our house and it looks at our Shulchan. Shulchan and the Koyach of taking the physical world and turning it into the spiritual world. How many of our children put food in their mouth, including ourselves, and don't make brachas? And as a Koyan, we know that when you bring a carbon to Hashem, if your Makshava is a little bit wrong, it becomes pigel. It becomes puzzle. And I go to who comes into this house and he made us the kahanim. And we're making brachos and we're benching and our machshavos are way far away. There's no kabbalah in what we say at all. Who thinks Baruch HaKadoshem or Lekeinu Malakalam when they drink a glass of water? Blessed be you, the God of the world. Everything in this world is about your word. Who even thinks about that? But you're acquainted, you're bringing a carbon, you're taking the physical, you're making it spiritual, and your carbon is not there. So that problem is pickle. It's puzzle. Says Rabbi Gamliel, so who's worse? Because for 2,000 years is coming into our homes and has to turn away and leave. For it says that the Kedusha and the Shechina can never be in the same place with this immorality. The Shechina can never be in the same place where there's Gaifa. And the Shechina can never be in a place where there's a Kafri Taiv. I spoke this morning, I had made a mistake last night, I had said in my speech that the whole problem began by the Moraglim on the night of Tishabov that they were kafri time, that they came back from Eretz Yisrael, and instead of realizing all the great that the Kodesh Baruch gave us, they took, what is a kafri time? A kafri time is a person who takes what he gets, right? And doesn't appreciate it. But he gets it. He has something. But to him, it's nothing special. So Kodesh took, yeah, they, 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 they came there, they saw Eretz Yisrael, they saw all the prayers, and they saw everything that was in Eretz Yisrael, and they took it and they said, this is not for us, this is, this is dangerous for us. So I said last night that the whole problem didn't start. It didn't start in Yemiyo's time. It started already by the Moran when Hashem said, you're crying tonight, you'll cry forever. But I was wrong. Totally wrong. 
totally wrong, because that's not where it started. It started on the sixth day of creation, in Pasha's Voracious. It started when the Nachash came to Chava and said, you can be like God. You can know good from bad. He brought to her something. He brought to her a kinah. He said, Hashem has something you don't have that is not the shir today. And of course, from that kinah came Taiva. Once it's somebody else's, even if you don't need it, even if you can't use it, even if you don't drive, but he has a nicer car, even though you don't need such a car, but he's not allowed to have it, and you are not. If he has it, he just has no right to have it, even though I don't need it. So this was the same thing. She wasn't going to be a god. Why did she need it? Hashem had something she didn't have. So they ate from the tree. And what happened after they ate from the tree? Very interesting thing happened. They hid. And the Tepatik tells us, why did they hide? Because they thought that they weren't dressed. So what? So you weren't dressed. So what? The animals weren't dressed either. What all of a sudden, by eating from the tree, with, with this nakedness, this, this being undressed, that, that got them so scared that they have to take, they ring themselves with, 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 with fig tree. What was so bad? So there was Ra, but there wasn't any, what, what was the Ra? With other Chaba, what was the Ra? So we can see it in the Psukim. Because the Psukim say the following. After they ate from the tree, so, their eyes opened up. And they realized they were unclothed. And they took it to Einam. They heard Hashem. Even though they already did this. Right? They did Chagayrus. Okay, they seemed to be scared of something. The same letters as Eicha. Because Baruch said to them, where are you? Hashem didn't know where they were. Of course Hashem knew where they were. What kind of question is this? Where are you? Where are they then? Where, where are you? But well, we understand from their answer that they understood the question. Because they didn't say where they were. But they said, as we heard your voice. The era was scared. What are you scared of? The era monaychi ve'echamet was scared. They were not dressed. What are you scared of? What are you scared of? But they're not. They're not answering the question. Ayeka, we're all with our They're not answering that question. They're saying that we're very scared. What were they scared of? So the Megidik Achida. Rav Chaim Vital also speaks about this. What happened here? That Adam and Chava, when they were when they were created, they were created with a meridika aura, a very very special aura, special light that encompassed the whole bodies. They were clothed in aura, in light. The minute that they ate from the Eitz they lost this light. And when they lost this light, this was the light of spirituality. When they lost this light, all that was left, all they saw in their reflection, all they saw in each other, was the human body. All they saw was the behemoth. And they became very scared and they said, Where's the Elikos? We lost the Elikos. We tried to get the Elikos by eating from the tree and we lost the Elikos. We have no more light. And we're very scared to be in a world where there is no light. Kachoya. And then Akash Bokhu makes them a kosmas or he makes them clothing made out of leather. And it's brought down that in the times of Mashiach, the one ice that will be changed in the Sefer Torah will be that letter. It will change from the letter Ayin, R from skin, 
to the letter R, which is light. And we lost that light. And the problem is, and I said it to the girls this morning, you know, yesterday I was in shul by Landau's, everybody came over to me, through Wallstein, we hope Mashiach will get here, before Tishabov, you may tell Hashem, it's going to be a yantif. I'm like, my high. So it's a yantif. Yeah, that way we don't have to fast. That way we don't have to fast. Apikarsis, it's called. Do you know that? It's called Apikarsis. If you want Mashiach so you don't have to fast, you're not Apikarsis. I'll show it to you in a safer. If you want Mashiach because your grandfather died and you want to see him, if you want Mashiach because someone's sick and they need a refuah shalema, if you want Mashiach because you're not making up by if you want Mashiach for any other reason that the Shekhinah is in Golos, it's written, and I believe it's Rechaim Vital that writes it, you're not because. The only reason that we want Tisha B'Av to be a Yontif next year, because our Tati, our Abidu Shabbat Shemayim, has been knocking on every one of our doors, and we don't let him in, and we threw him out, and we're not taking him back. And it's the ghost of the Shekhinah. And therefore, the only reason that we want Tisha B'Av to be called a Mayay, because the Mayad is for HaKadosh Baruch Because honestly, everybody here, and I'm talking to myself, let's face it. You're already sitting on chairs. We're halfway there. Tonight, we're going to have cookish cake. And orange juice. And if we're lucky enough, one pizza shop will be open. And we'll be having calzones and a pizza, and at 102 tomorrow, we're going to be in pomegranate getting some steak, or when all the places are play, oh, fuck France, and Shabbos Nakamoo, Kishka, and Kogo, and Harry, and every bubble colony, and I'll be Kiddush. So what was Tisha B'Av about for everyone? Yeah, you lost some weight today, Yishkayach. <laughs> but what changed? What changed? In the pain of the Shekhinah, what changed? What did you change? He's still not allowed to come to your house. We still have those phones and that internet and those movies and all the other shtusim in our life. So for the Shekhinah, it's Kish above all year. For us, it's one day, goodbye. 2,000 Tisha B'Av and nothing's changed. You know why? You know why nothing's changed? Because we haven't. Yes, we say kinnis. Yes, we sit on the floor and tonight is party time. And tomorrow, we totally forget at 12, at, at 102, Mitz Hashem, we're going to all turn on our music. And we're now going to have a concert. And by next week, you won't even remember this. Not next week, by Thursday. Not even Thursday. By tomorrow night... This is over. So Rabbi Gamliel, you want to know why you don't have Mashiach? Because you don't have Tishabov. This is not Tishabov. Nobody said, next year, Emir to Hashem. God should have his home back. Next year, we should have a Maya so we can all sit and eat. Me too. That's all we're interested. Mashiach should come so we don't have to go through this again. 
Oy, the tata, says Rabbi Gamliel. Oy, the tata, a whole year. Nothing changed for him. It's the same story. Nothing changed. Last night, one little thing changed. I spoke in Arnava. One girl came up to me, a woman actually. And she said to me, my, 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 my husband is sits and learns in Kailo. But I know that God's not in my house. Because I have titus in my, in my bedroom. And she handed me her smartphone. And she said, destroy it. I said, but you need a phone. I can't take your phone. It was a brand new phone. She said, I don't have the kayak to go home and take titus out of my house. Take it. I'll get a regular phone. And last night on Tisha B'Av, we put a brick in the base of Mikdash. I filled up the sink in my bathroom, and I said, and I took that smartphone, and I threw it into the water. And I waited till the water was full on the screen, and I threw it into the garbage, and she, Taka, understood that it's, she is going to make a place for Kosh Baruch Hu in her home. But it goes further than that. It goes further than that, and it says, in Yimiyahu, it says, Bamistorim tibcher nafshi, ibnei geva. Because Baruch says, my soul shall weep in secrecy, in secrecy for your pride. How could it be that a Baruch weeps? So he says, that on the inside he weeps, and on the outside he appears to rejoice, and he brings down that Revelo Yavyan, that they brought down and they said that the place that Hashem weeps in secrecy is in every one of our souls. And that the Ba'asuli Migdash for Shachanti B'Soycham that I want to dwell within you that every person in this room and every Jew has a place in his soul that's supposed to be made Kaddish for Kaddish Baruch Hu, to be in his soul because our souls are part of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And that is his place. And he's looking for a place in everyone in this room's soul that he could rest and he could feel that it's holy. And our souls are so full of everything that we do that he doesn't have a place. So they bring down, the Rabbi Shimshin says this, that you should take some meter that you have and you should clean out that little area in your soul and say, Kosh Baruch Hu, I am making, just like in your house, it's a very interesting thing. It's brought down that in the Makam Tefillah, if you daven in your house, let's say your wife daven in the house, or your kids daven in your house, you have daughters, right? Or sometimes you have to daven in the house. You shouldn't daven in different places in the house. But you, when you come into a house, if you build a new house or you buy a new house, you should say, this place is Kaddish for all the tools in my house. If someone has to daven, I'll, I'll show it to you in a second if you want to see it. But you should make that place Kaddish so that all your tools come from the same place. One place in your house. And that's where everyone should daven from if they have to be in the house. Is that in your soul, your soul is full of all kinds. We all, we're all, not you, Hapshon, but me. We all have, we have different things. We have Gaiva, and some of us like Tokla Shonara, and some of us are busy with girls, and some of us don't care about Kashris, and some of us have no Kabbalah by Davening, and some of us have to talk by Davening, right? And we have all, the, all these different chambers, and we have all these different places that are Tame in our Neshamas. We need to take one place, one of those things, one of those Midos, one of those places, and say, Kush Baruch Hu, you know what? You're right. I haven't done, I don't do anything for you after Tisha B'Av. I wake up at the Chatzais, tomorrow I'm going swimming, and the next day it's very normal, and I don't do anything for you. And the next Tishvah is the same thing, and the next Tishvah is the same thing. I sit on the floor, but I don't do anything for you. But this year, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take this one Midah, because I feel very bad that you come to my Nishaman after 120 years, the Shekhin is going to sit there with, and, and cry to you, you know how many times I came to you? You know how many times I came to, to move back to Shekhin, and you threw me out? It was, it 
The room was full of garbage. And you're going to stand there and say, I'm sorry. So now we can take one place in our souls, one place, one mida, one problem that we're having, whether it's kibbutz, whatever it is, and say, I'm being makadesh, just like in my house, I'm being makadesh, a place to daven. I'm being makadesh, a place in my soul. Whether it's davening with a minion or it's going to a shir, I am taking on myself. You don't have to wait for Yom Kippur. I am taking on myself to build you a base on Migdash. And I want you to live within me. So I'm going to work on this and this Midah. And that's what I'm doing. And then maybe next Tisha B'Av, the Shekhinah will have a home again. I'm not worried about fasting. And Rabbi Gamil said, how much of us we just missed the whole picture. Just get to get past this day. Let's get to eat and forget about it. I want to tell you two stories. You know, I, I spoke a while ago about this, and, and, and maybe two years ago, maybe it was last year, I don't remember. But it, it's, it's, I learned it again when I was preparing all my shiurim for Tisha B'Av. And it, it wouldn't be fair for me not to share this with everyone. So that you just have an understanding of what's going on. So the Sarai Ruge Malchus, we all know about the Sarai Ruge Malchus, and the Rav spoke about the tongue. Uh, the chazer was, was was on the tongue, and 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 Achir saw it, and I was here this morning. I was listening, but there's a chiddah, and it's also brought down by Rav Chaim Vital, and I mentioned it here a few years ago, but I want to mention it again. Rav Shmuel Kohen Gadol. So Rav Shmuel Kohen Gadol, the Gemara says, was extremely, extremely beautiful. He was so beautiful. The Gemara says that the Malachim used to come down and used to point at him and say. He's one millionth or whatever the number was of the Shechina. That's how beautiful he was. Where did Rabbi Shmuel Kangal get this beauty from? So it's a chiddah. Rabbi Shmuel Kangal was a, was a Gilgal of Yosef HaTzadik. What happened? And Yosef HaTzadik, we know it's very, very beautiful. How do we know it's very beautiful? The menu says that Eishat Potifa was sick in love with him. And she wasn't eating, and she was losing weight. And the measure says her friends came and said, why do you, why you look like this? And she said, I have this beautiful Ivory slave. He's the most beautiful man in the whole world. And he talks about the Chidel, that he was actually a Google of, of that yes, was a Google of, of Adam. And he was trying to fix the Abeyo that Adam did when he was separated from his wife. I'm not going to get into all this Kabbalah. But that's why he was so beautiful, because Adam was created the first man by Hashem's hands. There's nothing more beautiful than, that, than someone that's created by Hashem's hands. And he was a Gilgal of Adam. He was there to fix the Yisoy that Adam lost in those 130 years. And therefore, Rishmon Kongala was gorgeous. Yosef HaTzadik, so she told her friends, you want to see how beautiful he is? Today I'm going to bring him out. She took a circle of chairs. They chained Yosef's hands. They changed his neck and they put a barzal, a metal, underneath his head so that he couldn't bend his head down so that everybody could see his beauty. And they put him in the middle of the room. And they gave all the girls around a shregim with knives to peel it with the fruit, the citron that they used to eat. And the measure says that his beauty was so unbelievable that they were cutting the tips of their fingers off and the blood was running down their hands and they were in such awe that they didn't even realize it. So she turned to them and said, you're telling me I shouldn't be sick. You're cutting your fingers off. And you don't even realize it. That's how beautiful he was. So why did Rabbi Shemar Kangal have such a terrible death? That they peeled his skin off his face. As we know, Izebel, the, the, the daughter of this terrible king, 
said, I want this beautiful man. And as the Rav said this morning, he said, you can't have him alive. But we'll peel the skin off his face. And they peeled. We can't even imagine. We can't even imagine having your skin peeled off your face. When they came to the Makam HaTzillin, where now he was losing. Until then, he wasn't screaming. You know, it's, it's, they're peeling away my physical body to my spiritual body. That's, he didn't have a problem with it. When they got to his Makam HaTzillin, which meant that once they peeled that off, he can't do the mitzvah of Tzillin. That's what I'm going to talk a little bit about. In the end today, that's when he gave out such a scream that the whole world shook. Tzillin! Tzillin! They're not giving me a muckling to put on Tzillin! And the whole world shook. And, 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 and the Malachim said, the whole place shook. Everything shook. The whole world was almost destroyed. Why? He didn't mind. Why don't you my skin? Peel my skin. You're taking away my Tzillin? You're taking away my ability to put on Tzillin? Boys, you know what it means to put on Tzillin every day? That's why he couldn't take it anymore. Skin peeling, pain, who cares? Tzillin? Why did he die such a terrible death? And as the rub said, they stuffed his skin and they, 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 they made a puppet out of it and they used to ride around with it and she looked at it every day and listen, listen to what the Chidot says. Chidot says, who was she? Who was this daughter of the princess? Who was this princess? Zu Eishas Potifa. She was the Gilgal of the wife of Potifa. And he says the following, that when Yosef HaTzadik was put into that room and everybody was looking at him, he beat to, he looked, he gazed at the Eishas Potifa, who he does says was created by the Satan, was the most beautiful woman. She was the most beautiful woman in the world. He was beautiful. And this was Yisai, this was... This was, if Yosef would have done the Avera, the world would have been destroyed. It's an unbelievable chidah. This was the war of the worlds. But it says that he enjoyed one moment of what he saw. <coughs> one moment he was forced in metal to look at her. He didn't want to. And he enjoyed it for one moment. This was his punishment. Now listen to what the punishment was, says the chidah. Midah keneged midah. You enjoyed looking at her. Now she has a right to enjoy looking at you. And therefore they peeled the skin off his face and stuffed him and he went through such a terrible misa because Yasef HaTzadik looked at her for one second when he was forced to look at her. Look at the punishment. How many things do we look at? That we're not supposed to. One day those same pictures and people and goyim and terrible things that you look at willingly through Gilgal one day they will have a right to look at you. We must cleanse our eyes if that's the punishment that Yosef Hatzani got for one second. When Rabbi Shmuel went to Shamayim for those three days, says Rabbi Chaim Bital, the angels in Shamayim didn't let him come back. They wanted to keep him there. Shmuel Koingadol. And you know what? He wanted to stay. He's in Shamayim, alive. What do I need to go back for? And the other tzaddikim are standing by his bed 
And the lady seems to wake up. He's in a coma. And he's not coming down. And they need their answer. So he says that they went and they took the scarf of Anida and they put it on the bed. And the second that they put it on the bed, Rabbi Shmuel Kohen Gadol opened his eyes and told them that it's a Gezerah from Shemayim. And he asked them, my high, what did you guys do? I was in Shemayim with the Malachim. They said, I'm not coming back down. I said, I'm not coming back down. All of a sudden, they took me and they threw me out of Shemayim. What did you do? And they said, we took the scarf of Anida and we put it on the bed. And that took off. For the scarf of Anida being on the bed, the Malachim said, you can't be up here in Shemayim. You're not Kaddish if you have a scarf of Anida in the bed. Oh, yeah, 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 guys. If the tumor of a scarf of Anida has your nefesh, your neshama thrown down from Shemayim because it cannot be in Shemayim in the gates of Kedusha, a person who's not Shemayim Nagiya, a person who doesn't keep Taz HaMeshvacha, a person who's Metama himself because of the things that he looks at, Has your neshama been thrown from Shemayim? You need to do tshuva. You need to take a place <laughs> in our soul and say to Hakadosh Baruch Hu, "I want to build you a base hamigdash in me." For us, we migdash for shachanti b'sarecha. I want to tell you a story. No, you ridiculous story. So I know you, everybody wants to down mention this year, we're to make sure you down on time. No, you ridiculous story. Two, one very short, one a little bit longer. About One about someone. This is a true story. Um, it was sent to me by Rabbi Yosef Wallace. Rabbi Yosef Wallace is the director of Arachim in Israel. His father, Judah Wallace, was born and raised in Panovich in Poland. So he was a little boy, this, this Judah Wallace was a little boy in Dachau, concentration camp. And he was standing on the side and they were having this march to the gas chamber, not him. And this one Jew on the march had a bag and he threw it to him. He thought it was food. So he turned around, he opened it up and it was a pure tefillin. So he writes, I was disappointed because what am I going to do with tefillin? I, I thought it was food. And the next morning, he said, you know what? It's Menashe but He threw it to me. So he put on the tone. His mazel, he puts on the tone. A Nazi walks in, a soldier. And he sees this Jewish kid in Dachau with, with tone on. So, that, of course, the Nazi takes the tone away. And he says, I want to see the number on your arm. And he writes down the number. And they used to have these gatherings. And they gather all the Jews, you know, outside for roll call. And everybody had a number, they had to say the number, that way they knew nobody escaped. So in the morning, he called this, this gathering, and the German officer pointed to him, he read out his, read his number, and he waved the tulin in the air, and he said, Dog, I sentence you to death by public hanging for wearing these tulin. Okay? So they took this little boy, 
I guess he was after by mitzvah, maybe 14 years old. And they put him on a stool, and they put a noose around his neck. And the Nazis, they like to make fun of us, and they said, listen, even a Jew will give you a last wish. You're about to hang him. What's your last wish? So Judah looks up at this Nazi, and he says, to wear my tefillin one last time. In front of everyone, the Nazi made a whole speech, how we give you your last wish. Now he couldn't look stupid. So he put, he gives Judah the tulin, and Judah puts the tulin on. He's standing on a stool, a noose around his neck, and he puts the tulin on. As he puts them on, he says, I betroth you to me forever. I betroth you to me your righteousness with justice and kindness, with mercy. I betroth you my fidelity, and you should know Hashem. It's hard for us to picture this Jew, this little boy, with a noose around his neck wearing tillin on his head. Such a picture, you, you, you can't even imagine such a thing. But that was the scene that everybody had to watch. Waiting for him to be hung. Watching this were the women in Dachau, from behind the fence. So, as Judah turned to watch the silent crowd, he's about to be hung. He saw there were tears in many people's eyes, and he said, he was shocked. He told the Jews were crying. How is it possible that they still had tears left to cry? And for a stranger, where were these tears coming from? And he felt like they were losing a muno because they were watching him get hung with filling on. He felt that the Jews that are watching are losing a muno. So we screamed that in Yiddish. He said, everybody watching me, I have filling on. I am the victor. Don't you understand? I am the winner. This German, they're the losers. I have filling on. I am going to die with my filling on. 14-year-old boy from Europe. Boy, have we have fallen so far. So the German officer, he understood Yiddish. German Yiddish is almost the same language. He understood what he was saying. So he said to him, you dog, you Jew, you think you're a winner? Hanging is too good for you. You're going to get another kind of death. And Rabbi Yosef Wallace says on his father, my, Judah, my father, was taken from the stool. The noose was removed from his neck. He was forced into a squatting position. And two huge rocks were placed under his, under, under his arms. He was told that he would be receiving 25 lashes to the head. To the head. Because the head was where he did put on his tongue. The officer told him, if you drop one of these rocks, I will shoot you immediately. And he said, I, I am telling you that you should drop one of these rocks because 25 lashes to the head is going to kill you for sure. No one has ever lived through it. And the pain is crazy. Just die now. And Judah said, I will not give you the pleasure. And he hit him. He beat him and he hit him in front of the whole concentration camp in front of the women. He hit him 25 times across the face with his whip and across the head. And of course he lost consciousness and he was left there for dead. He was bleeding. There was so much blood that they thought he was dead. He was laying there bleeding from his head. They thought he was dead for sure. And he was about to be dragged to a pile of corpses. And there was one yid there that saw this and he shoved him to the side and he covered his head so that nobody could see that he was alive. And he left. And he woke up from his coma and he was able to crawl underneath one of the buildings. And two months later, he was liberated. He, he made it through. This is, this is Robert Wallace's father. But listen to this. This is the point I want to get to. 
During the hanging and beating episode, a 17-year-old girl had been watching from the women's side of the fence. After the liberation, she made her way to the men's camp and went looking for a boy whose name was Judah, who was supposed to be hung and then whipped. She asked, is he still alive? And they introduced her to him. And she walked over to him and said, I've lost everyone. I don't want to be alone anymore. I saw what you did that day when the officer wanted to hang you. Will you marry me? The rest is history. Rabbi Yosef Wallace's parents, because these, this couple, Judah and his wife, are of Yosef Wallace's parents, walked over to the Kloisenberger Rebbe and requested him to perform the ceremony, the marriage. The Kloisenberger Rebbe, whose Kiddush Hashem is legendary, wrote out a ksuva by hand, by memory, and married the couple, Rabbi Wallace and his wife. And Rabbi Wallace and Eretz Yisrael, Rabbi Yosef Wallace, still has this ksuva. This didn't happen 2,000 years ago. This didn't happen in the Spanish Inquisition. This happened 70 years ago. Not so long ago. When a boy was willing to die to wear tefillin. Because Yvonne doesn't want any of us to die. We're not in Inquisition. We're not in a Holocaust. He's not asking anyone to die for him. No one in this room has been asked to die for God. He is asking us the opposite. He is asking us to live for God. And true, living is harder. Dying is a moment. Living is a lifetime. Seventy years ago, there was a boy standing on a stool in a concentration camp with a noose around his neck who told Kleidensville that was watching, We're the winners! Little did he know that we were the winners and the Nazis are gone and Germany is nothing. And look at us today. He was right and they were wrong. This is a story that we need to think about every time we put on our phone, but I want to just end with something that happened a few weeks ago, not even 60 years ago. So I got a phone call for my daughter. And someone had asked her if she could have my number. She said, of course, my number is public. What's going on? She said, she'll come. She wants to talk to you for chizik. Okay. So a few weeks ago, I would say maybe five weeks ago, this woman rings the bell. Little kid next to her, little blondie in a ponytail with these big eyes. Little cutesy Jewish kid. And she walks in with her. I'm like, this kid cannot be off the derach. Right? This kid's too small for that. We're not, you know, maybe they threw her out of school today because she drew out of the lines. Maybe it could be. You know, they see already what she's going to become. You know, she drew out of the line on a crayon. I don't know, but I'm thinking to myself, what's going on over here? So the mother sits down and says, my, daughter, my daughter's name is Paulette. I'm like, hi, Paulette. Hi, Rabbi Wallerstein. I'm like, so, she says, my, my daughter Paulette needs chizuk. I'm like, I'm looking at this kid. She's three and a half years old. I'm like, your daughter needs chizuk? She says, yes. We just found out that my daughter Paulette, Panina, Basyafa, has cancer. She has leukemia. She's been sick a whole year and stomach aches and fever and stomach aches and fever. And we finally took this blood test and it came back and she has leukemia. 
I said, pull that nose. I guess if you're sitting in front of her, yes, pull that nose that she's sick. So we came to you for some physic. I'm like, what do you tell a three and a half year old kid who has cancer? What physic? And she's found out that now she's going to go for chemo, and they told her she's going to lose all her, she's going to lose all her hair, and she's going to have blisters. And what is her walls? What, what, what am I telling her? A few years ago, somebody came to me and he said that he has Gebensha Hayes. Hayes, that we're blessed. I said, Gebensha Hayes, I'm not really that rubbish, but um, okay. Who benched him? The Tasha Rebbe. Who Tasha Rebbe benched him? Benched Hayes. Somebody needs refuah, children, this, that. Give it to them. I'm like, I have one upstairs. I have one left. Okay, I'm going to give her something. I have to give her something. I say, you know what? I have something for you. Okay, I run upstairs. It's a little hay, a little silver thing with a punch down hay. I said, Paulette, put on this hay. I don't want you to take it off for the rest of your life. Will you put it on? She says, what's the hay for? I'm like, Hashem. Yeah. So we put it around on a little, a little necklace. We put it on a necklace. Okay, I said, don't worry. Hashem's going to make you healthy. You're going to be fine. And, and they left. A week later, the mother calls me and said, they just started chemo, a little painful, and that you should know that she holds that little hay, and every time she's in pain, she says, Hashem, I'm in pain. You have to help me. She said she always takes that hay and says, I just want to thank you for giving her that hay. Okay. Yesterday, three hours before Tishabov, I get a phone call from this mother. She says, Rabbi Wallerstein, I have to tell you what happened. I'm like, okay. She said, we came to the hospital. They had to put a port in her shoulder so that she can get her chemo. So they have to do surgery. And she's been always very nice to the doctors and the nurses. She's a very sweet, one of these really sweet, shameful kids. And the nurse says, listen, Paulette, we have to take you into the operating room. We have to take everything off. You can't have any metal or anything on. We have to take your necklace off. And she starts screaming. You can't take my hay! They don't know what you're talking about. Rabbi Wallace, he gave it to me. It's Hashem. You can't take Hashem. And these women are like, this kid's a very quiet kid, and she's screaming, and they realize there's no way they're like, please, and like, get away from me. She would be like, don't, don't touch it. You can't touch it. And I'm like, what are we going to do here? This kid's not willing to give up this thing. So what did they do? They brought her in. They put her under anesthesia. They took the hay off the chain. They put it in a plastic baggie. They put it next to her head during the operation. Before she woke up, after the operation, they realized the wrath of a three-and-a-half-year-old kid. They put her back around her neck. The first thing, she opened her eyes. Oh, good. They didn't take my hay. You hear? A little three-and-a-half-year-old. So she called me to tell me yesterday, three hours before Tishabov, that the PET scan, all the scans just came back, and after three weeks of her chemo, there is not a cancer cell in her body. Not one. Leukemia cell in her body. The chemo, says the doctors, knocked it all out. She's going to have to take some light chemo for two years. There's not a cell in her body. She says, it's a miracle. I'm like, no. This girl was connected to Hashem. This girl had a place in her heart. 
huge base hamigdash. This big. Her whole heart, her whole soul was a base hamigdash. You can't touch my head. Nobody can touch my head. Three and a half year old. Oh, everybody, where's our hay? Where's our hay? Where's our hay? How can we let people touch our hay? How can we let people take our hay away? So I want to give you all a bracha. It should be Rafur Shalema, for Panina, Pasyafa. Because Baruch yeah, we're in Gullus and we are in surgery. And we are under and we are in anesthesia and we are so out, so disconnected. We have so many questions. Nobody has questions why they can breathe. Nobody, everybody's questions, they go to Leviathan. I asked somebody the other day, oh, so many young people are dying. I'm like, so many young people are being born. They're very young. Well, the last time somebody went to a hospital to see the infirmary, all the babies that are born, nobody goes to. Nobody goes to see what Hashem does for us. We just ragging on him all the time. We're doing wrong. The last time someone said, let's check out how many babies were born this week. How come the newspapers have lists of all the people who are sending Shiva, but not a list on the other side of all the beautiful children that were born this week? How come we're always ragging on God? We don't see his beauty. We don't see his, oh, what did you do for me today? We're taking him and we're throwing him out the door again. And we're doing what Adam and Chavah did. We're being comfortably times and we're losing our light and we're living in darkness. So we're in this operation and we're sleeping. But everyone in this room needs to know that you might be sleeping and there might be a huge operation that we're going through right now. But that hey, HaKadosh Baruch is in Golis with us. He's on that bed with us. And he's just waiting for us to wake up. So that when we wake up, it's no longer on the side of the bed. But the hay is in each one of us. Don't let another Tishabov happen. Not because you want to eat. And not because you want to see someone who died. And not because you're in trouble monetarily. But for only one reason. I don't want another Tishabov that my God, that my father doesn't have a home. And that this world keeps ragging and saying that he doesn't exist. Because Baruch Hu, I am angry. You show the world the atheists. And America, who allows men to marry men and women to marry women, who are anti-Akadosh Baruch Hu, who want to rip God's name out of the world. I'm angry. It's time for you, Kaji, to show him who you are. Hashem HaKadosh Baruch No more Tishabahs. And maybe if we believe, and maybe if that's what we wish for, not maybe, for sure, we'll finally wake up and each one of us will find a Kosh around our neck and our soul. Thank you. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.